You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Hello, good afternoon. This is Amy Ressler. You're listening to the Extension Hour, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, where we talk about our people, our programs, our partnerships. We have great guests, and today our guest is Scott Moore. Scott, you want to say hi? Hello, everybody. So, Scott, um, is you're, you're going to be like a, um, a threefer. So, three, wait, there's three different things that I want to talk about. Um, with you. But before I do that, I want to talk about some of the things that are happening with Extension. But of course, because of course, this is the Extension Hour. Um, So brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, um, where we help Texans make their lives better. And um, so one of the things, ways we do that is like with our 4-H program, um, which is a a big deal around Montgomery County. We have over 20 clubs, 21, 22 clubs, lots and lots of clubs, about a thousand kids involved. Um, But there's always room for more. And one of the big events for the year that uh, people often associate 4-H with is the the Montgomery County Fair. And so that is actually um, starting up today. Um, There'll be lots of um, great things going on there. Um, You can find out information online at, I don't even know their website, but they've got um, lots of... uh, Lots of activities happening. In fact, um, so Jenny Adams is um, our one of our coordinators there in the extension office, and her her daughter Caroline is going to be in the stick horse race tonight. So go Caroline, and good luck to everybody else. But you know, Caroline is going to be super cute. <laughs> um, and then so also uh, Monday and Tuesday is Kids Day out at the fair, and um, the uh, 4-H department will have some activities going on for um, kids to participate in while they're there. Um, our Junior Master Gardener group, they come out and they have some things happening. And then also there's um, a special appearance by Chef Plate. And Chef Plate is like like my alter ego. So I always say she's kind of like a cross between Rainbow Bride and a rodeo, rodeo clown or something. Anyway, we teach kids about nutrition. We make a healthy pizza. We have lots of fun. Um, anyway, so lots of good things going on. Uh, April 1st and 2nd are kids' days, and then, of course, the fair um, continues on through April 7th, so lots of activities happening there. Um, And then, of course, um, the other thing that's great for families that we're involved with a lot um, that'll come up in April is the Conroe Kids Fest, so right here in downtown Conroe. Um, So I end up um, coordinating the Health Village, and then Jenny coordinates the Safety Village, and uh, Justin and Joe from the 4-H Department coordinate the Discovery Village, so we're out there a lot. Okay, so Scott, tell us about yourself. So yeah, there's nothing going on with AgriLife <laughs> yeah. right now, right? Right, right. Yeah, no. Well, that's, that's just some of it. There's a little bit more of it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, three hats today, right? Right, right. Yeah, so um, I am the Director of Missional Excellence for the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. Um, that just means I carry around poster boards instead of <laughs> business cards because mm-hmm. my title's too long to put on, on a business card. Uh, but essentially, I'm in charge of missions and disaster relief for a 58-county region in East Texas. The United Methodist Church is um, divided up regionally, uh, geographically, um, and our geographic region called the Texas Annual Conference uh, covers 58 counties from Texarkana all the way down to Matagorda and all points east. Um, so um, doing disaster relief, been very busy for the last several years, actually, right. going back to, to floods of 2015. Um I'm also on the uh, Conroe ISD school board, a trustee on the Conroe school board. Um, love doing that. Great way um, uh, to be out in the community. 
Um, and then um, I guess how I know you um, <laughs> met through uh, through a PhD program in leadership studies that we're both at, uh, at Our Lady of the Lake University in Houston. So yeah, yeah. So those are three hats. And then part of uh, when whenever we started talking about some of the things that we do, um, I was like, oh, there's so there's some connections there. And then I also recruited you to be on uh, our family and community yes. health committee. So we're glad to have you as part of that. So that makes you one of our people. Like I said, we talk about people and programs and partnerships. Um, so, okay, three hats. Let's start out with, um, I want to talk about school because uh, that's, I um, really, I think it's very cool. <laughs> uh, and sometimes I wonder, like, you know, am I glutton for punishment? Why did I decide to do that? Do you ever question yourself? Like, why am I getting a PhD? You know, somehow in the back of my mind, I always expected to be working on a doctorate. Mm -hmm. um, and this program just kind of came along the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Um not knowing exactly how I was going to to manage a full-time work and full-time uh, school load, um, not knowing where I would be able to find a university that had something that interested me. Um, and along comes Our Lady of the Lake University and a PhD in leadership studies. Um, and it just fits so perfectly for, for what I wanted to do. Um, with the Saturday classes, I can work work schedules around class schedules. Um, so I, I think um, even going back to, to a young man, I knew that one day there'd be a DR before my name. Uh, I just didn't know exactly when or, or what that would look like. Yeah. And so um, the other thing we should mention is that when we're talking about Our Lady of the Lake University, we're actually talking about their Houston campus. Right. Um, so that is close nearby to us. So like we don't go to San Antonio <laughs> every other Saturday. Um, there is a campus in Houston. And you know what's interesting is that um, I found out it's uh, it's actually been in the area for um, over 20 years. Hmm. Um, so they used to be out with the Lone Star, um, the campus that it's called the Montgomery campus, mm -hmm. but it's there in the Woodlands. Um, but they just recently moved into their own facility. And so that's kind of um, in Houston, 45, Beltway 8, Greens Point area. <laughs> they always say the good side of Greens Point. <laughs> but um, so that's where we, we go to class. And, um, you know, for me, it, it, I mentioned like an extension, we're all about education, helping people make their lives better, right? And so, um, you know, I felt like having a, a PhD would be not, not absolutely necessary, but just a good way to help make sure that I am um, well-equipped for um, helping others and then being in Montgomery County with the, the rate of growth here and, and how um, large it's growing and how fast it's growing and how many people are here. and. Um, and then I think the, also the, the concept of leadership studies, which is uh, the PhD program that we are in, um, is so applicable to so many different areas. I mean, we all um, have opportunities to lead and we're all led in um, different, uh, different ways. And so it's kind of, it's been very eye-opening, I would say, for one thing, just learning so much about um, leadership and leadership studies and types of leadership. What what's, has struck you the so most? So what I, what I really enjoy about the program is that it covers so many disciplines. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so often, uh, you know, a PhD is, is so focused in one particular area. Um, and that, you know, it's kind of the point of most of them is, is to just laser focus and, and, and gain a, a high level of specialization in, in one particular area. But with this, this particular uh, program, um, you know, it's applicable to the education field, to the private business sector, to government, to church, to nonprofit, to whatever type of leadership you may be in, this program has something for you. Um, you know, I, I looked at PhD programs in theology and, and the good ones are few and far between and, and you have to go off to this school and, and you know, 
uh, may not be a lot of local options and, and all you're learning about is theology or, um, you know, if people in the education sector go and get an EDD and they're exposed really to, to pretty, pretty much just nothing but education and leadership mm-hmm. in that realm. And in this particular program at Our Lady of the Lake, we're exposed to so many different theories, but they're all applicable no matter what setting you're in. And so it's great to be in a class with teachers and with businessmen and with nonprofit leaders, um, with healthcare sector leaders, and and see, um, you know, learn from each other based on the sure. differences that we all have, but mm-hmm. see where our paths cross and where these theories really intersect all of our, our different sectors. Right. We have some great uh, class conversations about uh, leadership in different aspects, you know, because I um, I know for myself, I tend to kind of sometimes get into this bubble, like this is what it's like in, you know, in my, my world <laughs> where I work and the people that I know, but then hearing from others about how it works. And then also, I think our professors are pretty awesome They're as amazing. well. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of looking around for our program, um, you know, what you mentioned, the, the, the rigor and the... Um, what, 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 how did you just describe it? Just the, the, the when you look for it, okay, so there's, there's, there's lots of programs. Anytime you educate yourself and make yourself better, that, that's awesome. Um, but, but we do want a certain standard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to spend all this time and all this money getting a degree. We want it to really be worth something. And so um, that's one of the things that I like about Our Lady of the Lake University. And then, um, like I said, our professors, um, Dr. Isang and Dr. Soon, are just um, just phenomenal, I think. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with this program. This is actually the second doctorate that I started. Um, the first one was a professional degree, doctor of ministry degree. And uh, it focused a, a little bit too much on the practice and not enough on the academic mm-hmm. theory side. Um, and that's really what I was looking for. So, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of doctoral programs out there, and, and some fit some people, and, and they don't fit others. Sure. Um, and, and this one really has a, has a broad reach. Um, you know, it, it is, it is very intensive. We have midterms tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> we, we ought to be studying right yeah, now instead of on be. the radio. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> we're having fun. So um, it, it, it's definitely not a, um, you know, a, a pay your money and mail order kind of thing. This mm-hmm. is a, a very academically rigorous, I would put it up against any PhD program anywhere in the country. Um, as far as the academic rigor, um, but um, it's so um, it's so fluid and it's it's so adaptable with the Saturday classes and every other Saturday that um, you know it, the entire Houston campus of Our Lady of the Lake was kind of designed around working adults, right. um, and they offer afternoon classes and evening classes and weekend classes, kind of on a non traditional schedule, so that you can still work full time and bring home the paycheck and take care of a family and do all those things Mm -hmm. and not have to sacrifice, you know, four or five years of your life just working on school. You can do both and and balance it. And it's, it's a fabulous program. Right. And we don't also mention um, undergraduate degrees and master's degrees are also available with the same kind of format for non-traditional students so that you can balance it with, um, work and life and <laughs> all those other things, you know, for, for people who can't just quit and go to school. So, um, and you mentioned um, the uh, standards of the, the school. So I saw online that Our Lady of the Lake is among the top 70 regional universities in the West. And that is from the U.S. News and World Report 2019 Best Colleges. So um, it's it's up there with, with lots of other great universities and colleges. And so the, the, the quality of the education is definitely awesome. And you're also... A what adjunct, adjunct. professor? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, tell us about that. So um, 
being a Catholic university, there um, is a theological component to the program, um, and the undergraduates are required to take one theology course at some point during their, their time at the university. Um, so I was fortunate to be asked by the university, having a master's degree in, in divinity and, and being a, a practicing member of the clergy, uh, having the background. Um, this summer, I will be teaching one theology course um, to undergrads, and then next fall, I will be teaching a theology course and Introduction to Philosophy as well. Oh. Um, so I get to um, to teach part-time and be a student there and see both sides of, of the classroom. I'm really looking forward to that. And then, of course, wear your other hats, which we want to talk about um, having you here today. But we're going to, uh, we have to take a little bit of break, but we're going to be back in just a little bit, get talk a little bit more about Our Lady of the Lake University. We're going to talk about Conroe ISD, the school board, and we will also talk about the, the work you do that you get paid for. <laughs> um, but stay tuned. We'll be right back. Family and community health programs provide science-based education designed to improve the overall health and wellness of individuals, families, and communities. Developed by experts and delivered locally, topics include child and adult health, nutrition, child care, financial management, passenger and community safety, and building strong families, all encouraging lifelong health and well-being for every person, every family, and every community. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. Helping Texans make their lives better. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. Want to check out the fastest growing sport in the world? It's right here in Conroe, Texas, and it's Roller Derby. Conroe Roller Derby is a nonprofit recreational league of women and men who want you to come and check out the fast-paced, hard-hitting game of Roller Derby. The Conroe Cutthroats practice at Rainbow Roller Rink on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. You can find our game schedule and more information on our website, www.conroerollerderby.com. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, check out the Ticket Stub podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. And we are back. This is Amy Rustler, County Extension Agent, Family Community Health, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. This is the Extension Hour where we talk all about extension things happening. Um, we have our people, our programs, our partnerships. We have a partner program person here with us today. That's way too um, many I, I know, lots of peas, <laughs> and I'm probably like popping the microphone too. And 
Um, yeah, last week I said something about a plethora of peas because there is lots of... Anyway, I'm going to get off on a, a, a tangent if I don't stop. Uh, 104.5, 106.1, those are how you can listen in every Friday, 1 to 2, and then worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. We also are on Facebook Live, um, so on the Lone Star page, and then on the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Montgomery County page, and then also it's on YouTube. And you can go back and look um, and listen to past shows about... Um, uh, on YouTube uh, and so other kind of uh, programs we have. So every time we have a different guest um, to, to focus on all of the areas that we do in extension, because that's one of the things that um, we find often is that people, um, we're, we're like kind of a best kept secret in some ways. Um, and Or people just associate with the part that they know. So maybe it's uh, 4-H or maybe it's Master Gardeners. Speaking of master gardeners, uh, they just had a great plant sale this last weekend. Um, just awesome. They had 987 people, I think was the, the number, the people that came through to buy plants at the plant sale. So they do plant sales twice a year. People will often ask, you know, when is the next one? So the fall plant sale will be October 5th. So you can put that on your calendar now to get fall plants. Um, but the other cool thing they do is um, one, one month, one Saturday each month, they do a series of classes. And so on April 13th, they will have some classes about blooms, which is, um, so they do two sessions. So one is 8 to 10, the other is 10.30 to 12.30. Um, and that's that's every time that they have the class. So the next one is in April. Um, the which, what, and how of spring blooms is the first session. And then the second one is multiplying your blooms. So if you like flowers, this is a great class to come to. And then in May, they will host their Open Gardens Day. This is totally free. Come out, tour the gardens beautiful gardens all around um, the the office that we there and the master gardeners um, help keep those up. They do a lot of demonstrations so that they can uh, find the plants that work well in our area. So you can like see them growing in the ground and how well they, and then there's people there that you can ask questions um, from. And then, um, so we're usually out there with some, we, we do food. <laughs> so, um, you know, you grow the vegetables and you eat the vegetables. And uh, so we'll help um, give some people some ideas about healthy eating. Um, our 4-H program will be out there and then also the agriculture program. So it's another kind of uh, interdisciplinary thing that we do. Um, but so that Open Gardens Day, May 18th, 930 to 1130. And that is at the Extension Office, 9020 Airport Road. And I'll put in a plug for Master Gardeners, okay. too. I, yeah. If you have an unknown burrowing rodent in your backyard <laughs> and you call the office and talk to a Master Gardener, yeah. they will let you take a picture of it and email it to them and tell you what it is and how to get rid of it. So oh, they, they they can answer all kinds of questions. So there was one that came in yesterday, or what it was, it was some kind of beetle, and it had this lobe underneath one of its foot feet for what I don't know their feet on beetles but anyway they were able to you're not a master gardener I am not definitely not a master gardener when people call and ask me plant questions I'm like oh let me go help you find something and that is the awesome thing about extension we've got lots of resources so lots of other people to ask questions of um so yeah the uh 936-539-7825 is our um, one of our numbers. We have a few different ones, but that'll get you to a menu system. And then there's, um, and I forget which number it is, but on that menu, it'll say, if you'd like to talk to a master gardener, press this number and you can uh, connect directly with them. And that's that's during regular business hours. Um, obviously you can leave a message. They have a great Facebook page. They have a great website. Um, so that lot, lots of good information um, from them. And so, you know, it's kind of funny becoming a master gardener, I feel like is almost like they're, they're getting master's degrees Absolutely. in what they're doing because uh, they go through some really rigorous training on um, all the information that they learn. And so we've been talking about Our Lady of the Lake University, 
which is um, the university that you and I both go to, and we're both involved in the PhD program there. Um, but as I mentioned before, we went to break. They have other um, programs as well. So they have an undergrad, um, undergrad degrees in sociology and psychology. And this is at the Houston campus specifically that we're talking about. So definitely very doable because, you know, right here, it's easy to drive from Conroe um, to the Houston campus. Um, they also offer a BBA in management, and the, the undergrad, undergraduate classes are in the evenings, uh, Monday through Wednesday, or Monday and Wednesday. And then they have master's degrees, and that includes an MBA in management and in healthcare management, and then a master of science in family and marriage counseling that leads to licensure. And then um, all those classes, um, graduate classes, are offered every other Saturday. So masters go one Saturday, and then our doctor, doctoral students go the next um, Saturday. And then um, the other great thing that I think about it, um, small classes, experienced faculty, personalized service, um, they have advisors, financial aid counselors, they have everything that any university has. And um, But yeah, the small classes and the experienced faculty I think is, is awesome. I mean, and if, the cohort model, mm -hmm. um, being with the same group of students all the way through the program um, and getting to know each other um, outside the classroom, that's, that's a great way to do it as well. You're not having to to relearn personalities and, and, you know, all of those things that come along with changing classes every semester with the same group, same cohort going all the way through the program. And, and I think that's very beneficial. I agree. And I like our cohort. I think we've got a really, a really good group. Mm -hmm. Like we mentioned before, a lot of diversity in terms of the experience that everyone has, their um, career backgrounds, um, their personal backgrounds. I mean, it's, it's, it's a cool class. Mm -hmm. One of our students is uh, from Brazil. She came from Brazil to you just to take the PhD program, with our yeah. program. So that, that, that's pretty awesome. Um, and actually, so Dr. Isang wanted me to mention that enrollment for the fall semester is open. So if you were interested, so the cohort model is interesting too, because you, we do start in the fall and then um, we go uh, through the, we do three semesters a year. And like you said, cohorts, we all go together and through the, out the classes. Um, it's, a, it's a very well-organized, laid out. So we know what our next four years look like. The other thing that I think is cool about it is how we're already working on our dissertations, mm -hmm. whereas some other programs that um, are out there, um, you do all the coursework first, and then you do the dissertation, and that may take a little bit longer, but they've got us on already focused on um, doing our dissertations, and so what is your dissertation? So my dissertation is going to be on uh, teacher perceptions of the transformational leadership styles of school board, um, and that relation to classroom teacher organizational commitment. Uh, there's been a lot of research uh, with principals and superintendents and how their leadership styles affect the teachers in the classroom, uh, but there's virtually nothing out there that exists about how the school board leadership uh, affects classroom teacher and their commitment to the organization. Um, and there is um, there was a piece of legislation passed in 2017, SB 1566, that places a lot more um, of the responsibility for outcomes in the classroom on the school board. Um, and so I thought this would be a good opportunity, number one, to look at, um, you know, what, what some potential outcomes of that are since there's not been any research on it before. So um, if you're a teacher listening, you may be getting uh, surveys from me in the coming years um, asking about your school board um, and then your commitment to the organization. And uh, those surveys probably will not be going out to Conroe ISD since I'm one of the school board members there. We'll choose other school districts so they're not trying to rate me and, and uh, keep it all above board on the academic side. 
Yeah. And I think an interesting thing you said about that legislation is that the school board is now being held for the uh, ac academic accountability mm -hmm. of the schools. So, and not many of them are actually teachers, educators, right. uh, business members. So mm -hmm. being held responsible for the educational quality in, in, the, in the school district uh, is, a, is an interesting concept. And it's one of those things that requires leadership. And you're, you're working on transformational leadership, right? That's right. Okay, can you put that into, like, English? I'm going to put you in the hot seat <laughs> like Dr. Esung would be would do. All right, so, Scott, what, so, so, tell us about transformational so leadership. Transformational <laughs> leadership um, is one specific uh, type of leadership, one, one aspect of leadership that's measured with what's known as the full-range model of leadership. Um, it is one of many theories of leadership out there, but um, it's basically broken down into components such as um, – individual consideration, intellectual stimulation, um, how the personality attributes you bring and how your behavior um, influence other people. Um, and the idea of transformational leadership, um, at least within the church world, um, has kind of become a hot topic you hear. Mm. Uh, there's, there's a lot being written about transformational leadership. Some of it sticks with the truly academic version of the full range model and transformational leadership. And some of it's just a cool buzzword. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in this setting, it's, it's five specific uh, facets of leadership um, that contribute to the overall health of the organization and the overall type of leader that, that one is. And transformational leadership is that type of leadership that really inspires the followers to do more than is, than is expected. Because right. any kind of organization is going to have a leader, right? So leaders can be... <laughs> They can be leaders or they can be inspirational leaders. They can be transformational leaders. So, um, you know, and so sometimes I feel I uh, struggle with the the, really, the the very technical aspects of it because, you know, I think in these big um, theoretical ideas, but we, we do get down into the nitty gritty with um, some, the, the research that we'll be doing. So I'm going to look at servant leadership and how that relates to job satisfaction. Um, being uh, an extension and an extension uh, agent, I think the extension service, it's a service, right? So it, um, I think it attracts a lot of servant leaders, um, it, servant leadership styles. And so I'm going to look at, you know, kind of how that affects job satisfaction. Um, so then there's six facets of the job satisfaction, um, how it relates uh, satisfaction with the job itself, satisfaction with the supervisor, satisfaction with coworkers, satisfaction with pay, satisfaction with overall, um, wait, wait, with pay, with supervisors, with opportunity for promotion. And then, um, yeah, overall job satisfaction. Maybe so, you get bonus points on the midterm tomorrow. Maybe. Having all that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I need, I, need, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> Although, it, like I said, it's, it's, um, it's, it's challenging. And I, but I like that. I, you know, so I have mixed feelings about it. Like, oh, why am I doing this? But it really is um, rewarding. And, and I'm looking forward to um, finishing as well. All right, so the other thing I'd mentioned uh, before I mentioned about the uh, accreditation. So it is accredited by the Southern Association of Colleges and School Commissions on Colleges. Um, so that makes a, a big difference as well. Uh, the goals, talk about the goals. So to enhance leadership skills of professionals in a variety of fields, like you mentioned before, um, provide an interdisciplinary degree that combines theory application in order to graduate as practitioner scholars um, individuals who can provide enlightened leaderships in communities and within the workplace. And then to emphasize the study of leadership theory, research methodology, ethics, teamwork, communication strategy, public policy, and then to help students develop into leaders ready to assume executive level responsibility and or consultant roles. 
So um, there, there's also three campuses. So we mentioned the one, you know, Houston, obviously, is the one we go to. There's the one in San Antonio, the main campus. And the Rio Grande Valley also has a um, campus as well. So um, lots and lots of, of opportunities. Okay, so we've talked a lot about that. We want to talk more about some of the other hats that you wear. Um, but we're going to take a break first, and then we'll come back and uh, learn more about who is Scott Moore. <laughs> um, and, uh, you're listening to the Extension Hour. We'll be here every Friday, 1 to 2. Um, next week, we're actually going to have Shelly Winkler and Ina McFarland from uh, CISD. But we're going to be back in just a few minutes, so stay tuned. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our help with your water, your air, your food. You're going to need our determination, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com slash sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your question. Get seen on TV or YouTube and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Sponsor your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Boxer Rescue is a nonprofit organization serving Montgomery County and surrounding areas dedicated to the health and well-being of the boxer breed. Lone Star Boxer Rescue is run and managed 100% by volunteers since 1999. Our main objective is to rescue, rehabilitate, and rehome boxers that come to us from many sources, including local animal shelters, owner surrenders, and strays. For more information about Lone Star Boxer Rescue, visit our website at lsbr.org. For those of you who like your partners, your gumbo, and your music salty, well, we're here to help with the music. Julian Shea here, host of Lone Star Country Nights Thursday, your weekly dose of roots and Americana and all the music that makes this part of the country special. We stir in western swing, honky-tonk, Zydeco, Texas blues, outlaw country, and put a pinch of red dirt, and then we smoke it over a slow fire. Then listen to the results Thursday nights on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Hey, hey, we're back. This is the Extension Hour, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, uh, people, programs, partnerships, and Scott Moore is with us today. And uh, so Scott has been helping with our Family and Community Health Committee. So um, another thing that we do in Extension is we utilize committees a lot to make sure that we are on target with the kinds of uh, projects that we're doing. And with your background, your experience, you're, you're becoming an emerging, emerging leader as with a, a PhD. So Dr. Moore... Um, you like the sound of that? It's pretty it's, good, it's, right? It's, yeah. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. I, I can't. I have to admit, I you know, I like stand there in the mirror sometimes yeah, and say good. that here just to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
the family community health, some of the programs that we do, like I said, to keep us on, on track. Uh, Walk Across Texas is coming up. So this is what, April, I mean, this is March 29th, so April 1st. We want teams to start walking across Texas. So you can start on or about April 1st. So if this is like the first you're hearing about it, um, keep in mind that you can still um, start. So we don't, um, we're not really, really strict on it because we just want as many people as possible participating. Um, and we have tra traditionally have had anywhere from five, 600 to 1,000 people participating um, during our community challenge. So here in Montgomery County, we do our community challenge um, April and May. Um, if a team starts a little bit late, then they just finish a little bit late, and it's eight years, eight, eight years, eight weeks. And so if you um, sign up and you start on April 1st, you're going to end about May 26th, I think is what the date is. Um, if you start a little bit later, you're going to end a little bit, I already said that. So uh, you register online, howdyhealth.org. And um, so the goal is teams of eight, up to eight. So it can be less than eight, just not more than eight. And we want them to do physical activity, so walking or other types of physical activity that equate to miles. And the goal is 832 miles, which is roughly the distance from Orange to El Paso. Um, so, to, uh, like I said, to get people just more physically active. And besides that, we have prizes. And uh, so last... Who doesn't love prizes? Huh? Right? So last week we had... Um, uh, Mike Lopez, who runs the at the state level, and so he was talking a little bit about some of the um, online changes with the registration system and everything that's happened to make it more user-friendly, um, to bring it into the 21st century, that kind of thing. Um, we also had uh, Jody Schreier and Ruby Chandler, and they have been helping um, recruit prizes. And we've got so, we've got so many great prizes um, to give out. So um, each week we'll have like a goal or a, a mini challenge and then people can um, win that. And so everybody has a chance to win, too. So if you meet whatever the mini challenge is for the week, then you'll, your name will go in for a drawing. So um, this is going to sometimes people feel like there's no way I can compete against, like, you know, super healthy, physically active people like those that are already running marathons. Um, this really gives everybody a chance. So if you're participating, you have a chance to win, win prizes. And then at the end, we do a prize patrol. Anyway, it's really fun. <laughs> um, Great, great activities. And then our Families Reading Every Day project is another thing that's happening um, now, so in our uh, Head Starts. And uh, next week, week after next, we'll be doing some of the celebration events with them. We go in and read. We give them little certificates, you know, for reading every day with their families. And then they get prizes, too. So we're yeah, all about prizes. At the school district, we love that y'all are doing that with, with the younger kids with mm -hmm. Head Start because we have Read for a Better Life in Conroe ISD. And um, that's one of the messages that we are constantly pushing out to all 63,000-plus students um, is to read every single day yeah. and, and how much that um, benefits you throughout life. Um, so we're, we're grateful that y'all are starting that at the, at the Head Start programs and getting them, them started at such a young age reading and, and just the physical act of holding a book and sitting there and yeah. hearing words and, and having somebody pay attention to them and read to them is, is so beneficial that age. Agreed. And then the, the, the family aspect of it, too, that, you know, it's not just here, look at a book. It's like, let's read together. Right. Yeah. So that's an excellent segue into uh, Conroe ISD School Board. Um, so you are a school board member. How long have you been? Uh, about two and a half years. I was elected in November of 2016. Okay. So, so what's your favorite part? Uh, you know, couple of times a month we go and we do what we call field trips where we actually go into the schools and it, at some point during the school year the school board will set foot in every one of our schools um, and we get the opportunity to to see classroom instruction taking place and and to see some of the special programs that are going on on our campuses and to interact with teachers and administrators um, you know in their setting when they 
come before us in the boardroom on one Tuesday night a month. You know, it's a it's a very structured thing, and that's kind of our house. And I like the fact that we get to go into their house and see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is so much innovative, creative instruction going on in Conroe ISD right now. Um, we have some of the best teachers you will find anywhere, some of the most creative people um, that are educating our children. Um, and it's very, I get, I'm sitting here getting chill bumps <laughs> thinking about it. It's so exciting when you walk into a classroom and you see somebody that is that dedicated to educating children and you see children that are so engaged. Um, I have yet to go into a classroom where there was not 100% engagement going on in that classroom. Um, and, and some of the programs that, that we have started the school district um, participating in, in Lucy Calkins cohorts and these, these reading and writing programs and um, utilizing literacy and math coaches on some of our campuses to kind of model best practices for the teachers. And um, when you walk into a classroom and you see, you know, a kindergarten student that's sitting there reading with a partner or working with a teacher in a small group or having, um, you know, their, their, um, their private reading time, um, for them to tell us stories, you know, the read their stories that they've written to see them engaged in, in very complex math at a very young age, to see them excited about learning makes everything that we do on the administrative and the bureaucratic side, totally worth it to see kids. And you can sit there and you can look in their eyes and see, they like school. They are excited to be there. They are engaged in the learning environment, and they're going to go places in this world. So what is it that made you want to be a school board member? Why? for punishment, PhD, school board. Why not? Um, you know, there was three hours a week that I wasn't sleeping. I needed to do a with Might as well that. fill it, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I had engaged and been a part of, I think, literally every parent program, everything a parent could do except serving on the school board. Um, I started off uh, the first year that we, my family moved back to Conroe. Um, We intentionally moved to Conroe for the schools. Mm -hmm. Um, We could have settled in some of the surrounding areas, but we wanted our kids in Conroe schools um, and definitely were not disappointed. Um, I'm a graduate of Conroe ISD. I graduated from McCullough High School before it was McCullough Junior High, before there was a Woodlands High School or a College Park High School. Uh, my mother taught in this district for 19 of her 35 years. So um, I kind of knew what Conroe ISD was like, and I wanted my kids in this environment. Um, but I got very engaged um, in their elementary school. Um, I helped start a program um, at Rice Elementary uh, called Watchdogs, um, which is to get positive male role models. Um, the theory being that, um, you know, when we were growing up, Amy, you know, kind of school was mom's realm, and then sports and those other things were dad's realm. Mm-hmm. And if dad showed up at school, it probably meant you had done something really bad and the coach or the principal had to call right. dad because they didn't want to call mom. Um, <laughs> but we wanted to kind of kind of reverse that role and we wanted students to see positive male role models who were interested in their education and willing to take the time. Mm-hmm. So this it's a national program called Watch Dogs. I got that, helped get that started at Rice, um, which then led the principal to ask me to be on the PTO, which then led them to ask me to be PTO president which then asked them, uh, led them to ask me to serve on the district-level planning and decision-making team, which then left, led them to ask me to serve on the attendance boundary committee when we opened uh, Stewart Elementary um, and um, Patterson Elementary uh, in the same year, um, which then led them to ask me to serve on the facilities planning committee in 2015, uh, which reviewed um, all of the, the facility needs of the, the district 
uh, and recommended um, the the bond that was that ultimately passed in 2015. Um, and we went back and looked. And I think that was every committee that a parent possibly could have served on in the district. <laughs> See what happens when you say yes. That's right. That's right. No good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> um, but again, having been a product of CISD, having seen um, how much good this district does for its students, for its employees, for the community, made me want to be a part of that. And in 2016, um, there was a board member who was who was leaving and not uh, returning to, to run for her seat. Um, so I filed um, for, for that particular seat, knowing it was going to be vacant. Um, and I have not regretted a minute of it. I, I love serving on the school board. I, um, I sometimes tell people that, you know, if that was a full-time political position, like being elected to Congress or something like that, I, I might go that route because yeah. I absolutely love the school board. Uh, but so it's not all fun and games though, right? There's some not. challenges. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're, when you're managing a district this big, mm-hmm. that's growing as fast as it is really fast. Um, you know, we add, um, an average of about 1500 students per year. Um, we're, I believe, currently ranked the 11th largest district in the state, and we're one of the fastest-growing districts in the state, um, in one of the fastest-growing communities, and one of the fastest-growing counties in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of challenges that come up with keeping up with that growth. Um, we have several facilities that are, um, you know, kind of reaching... Uh, critical points in their life cycle where they need critical components updated and, and refurbished in order to get another 30, 40, 80, 90 years out of them. Um, and then we have so many new kids coming into the district, we just don't have the space to put them. So we're constantly looking to the future, anticipating that growth um, so that we're not scrambling and trying to educate kids under oak trees because mm-hmm. we don't have the room for them. Yeah, because so we talked about like one of the things that we like about our school, uh, you know, working on the Dr. Teresa small class size. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the great um, teachers that we have here in Conroe ISD. And I'm sure that they have very strong servant leadership styles yes. that they will go above and beyond to serve the students and um, do whatever it takes. But they, they do need resources and they need smaller class sizes and um, you know, they, they, they'll do as much as they can, but helping them do their job better helps us, helps us all. If we have a better educated, um, school, school age children or get better education, that makes the whole community right. better. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we're dedicated to as a, as a school board and as a district is preparing all students. We have, we have saying in, in Conroe ISD, all means all. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are not only interested in educating the kids that are going to go on to a four-year college. Um, we want to provide the same high level of education for every student in the district, regardless of what post-secondary success looks like for them. So we're committed to things like career and technological education. Um, you know, those kids who um, ha- maybe have no interest or, or do not have the ability to go on to a, to a four-year college, um, but we can provide them with a trade, cosmetology, welding, auto mechanics, um, veterinarian tech, something like that. Um, so they can contribute to society, to society and be a, a useful member of society and um, can have that success that we all want for our own children. Um, we invest in, you know, high-level academic programs, honors programs, AP programs, dual credit programs, so that those students who are college-ready when they graduate have a jump start on college. Um, we believe very strongly in fine arts education and providing all sorts of extracurricular opportunities to make well-rounded, holistic people in society, um, not just people that can pass a test or can memorize some facts, but, but 
educating the whole person. Mm. Um, so we put a lot of effort into that that holistic education. I was thinking while you were talking about all these different programs, mm-hmm. um, you know, with with walk across Texas and and master gardening and and health and nutrition and 4-H, um, and kind of making the community as a whole a better place. That's that's the same philosophy we take in the school district mm. is making students better people, not just high performing students in the classroom. Mm. We are stronger together. Absolutely. And I think that it's awesome what you're doing. Uh, and, and you're obviously you are very passionate about being a school board member. And I think that Conroe ISD is fortunate to have you, future Dr. Moore. <laughs> okay, so um, we're gonna we've got more things to talk about, um, but we're gonna have to take another little break. But we'll be back in just a few minutes. But don't forget, you're listening to 104.5, 106.1 worldwide, IRLoneStar.com. You can come back and listen to this program or any of the other programs about the great people program and partnerships that we do in Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, and you're listening to the Extension Hour. We'll be right back. Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service is all about extending knowledge and providing solutions. We do that by using science-based information to create high-quality and relevant education for the people of Texas. More importantly, this outstanding education is delivered locally, right here in our county. We encourage lasting and effective change that helps our communities and our county thrive. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 936- Six four seven three seven seven six. Does your company have needs that can be met by an employee who is dependable, hardworking, enthusiastic, motivated, cooperative, respectful, and punctual? Conroe Independent School District Special Education Department can meet your needs by connecting you with potential employees that have been preparing for a lifetime of employment. We have numerous individuals seeking paid and unpaid work experiences. If your company is interested in seeing how we can meet your business needs, call Conroe ISD Special Education Department to find the best employees for you at 936-709-7671. Hey, Montgomery County and online listeners. Thank you so very much for checking out Jazzy Vibes with Soul. What? You haven't done so yet? Well, you've got to tune in. Hi, I am the host of Jazzy Vice with Soul, Miss C.C. Holmes, and I invite you to check us out every Friday and Saturday from 7 until 9 p.m., where you will get the best in old-school R&B and, of course, a little smooth jazz to make it jazzy. So tune in. That's right, tune in every Friday and Saturday right here on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 FM or worldwide at IRLongStar.com. All right, welcome back. We've got our last little segment here, uh, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, the Extension Hour. We've got the future Dr. Scott Moore with us. And the future Dr. Amy Ressler. Yes, uh, talking about um, all things education, um, and so, okay, education, I got I to gotta talk about the agriculture department and what they're doing. Private pesticide applicator training, April 2nd, pond management program on April 25th, 
Freeze Branding Clinic for equine on May 21st and Weathering the Storm with Your Animals on May 30th. So they've got lots of great things going on. You can call the Extension Office, 936-539-7825. Facebook page, we post all of this um, on there too. Um, we have newsletters, so we try to do lots of uh, ways to help people know what's going on. Um, so we, we said that you, you were a threefer today because we were talking about um, being a PhD student, about the great Our Lady of the Lake University, the Houston campus. We talked a little bit about the school board, but your day job, the thing that you actually get paid for. The one that actually pays the bills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is? I am the Director of Missional Excellence for the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. It's the uh, regional organization over about 630 Methodist churches in 58 counties in East Texas, Texarkana to Matagorda and all points east. Um, and a large component of that has to do with disaster relief. Um, I head up the disaster relief efforts for the United Methodist Church in that area. And, you know, 15 of our 58 counties were in the federally declared disaster zone mm -hmm. following Harvey. Um, we've been working the Memorial Day 2015 floods, the Tax Day 2016 floods, uh, the Holy Week 2016 floods in Newton and Orange counties in East Texas, um, plus these little smatterings of tornadoes and things like that that we get in that 58-county region. Those, those fall on me to... Uh, to help the churches respond to their local disasters. So I'm looking at your shirt that you're wearing today, and it says the Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church Disaster Ministries, but it's got this nice little boot print, and inside the boot print there's a the Methodist cross with the flame, mm -hmm. boots on the ground. Boots on the ground, yeah. We, we pride ourselves on being the first in and the last out. Um, as soon as the local officials declare a disaster zone safe for volunteers to enter, um, our teams are often the very first ones to come rolling in um, alongside several other organizations. That's a fabulous thing about disaster response is uh, particularly in the faith community. Uh, there are several different denominations that are, that are very active, lots of churches that are active. Um, and we really know each other well, and we all kind of have specialties, I guess, um, in each one of these different areas of disaster response. Uh, so we're able to come in as soon as the event is over and the rescue phase is, is over um, and start helping people muck and gut their flooded homes, patch holes in their roofs, get rid of the wet stuff, uh, stabilize the home so no, other, no further damage um, occurs. Um, but then we kind of take it a step further and we move into long-term recovery. Uh, we work with uh, state and local VOAD, which is Voluntary Organization Active in a Disaster. It's a group of disaster responders. Mm -hmm. um, we work with national partners. Um, we work with uh, local... Um, long-term recovery groups, um, and we provide assistance in rebuilding people's homes after disasters. So um, a lot of the agencies that came in immediately following Harvey have already packed up and left, and we're still boots on the ground and still rebuilding people's homes all, all through Texas. So what's the favorite part of your job? Um, seeing people return to a new normal. We, we always tell them we're not going to get you back to the way things were before the okay. storm. But when we can get people back into a home that is livable, that's safe, sanitary, and secure, um, and all of our clients are members of vulnerable populations. These are people who don't have insurance. They're, they may be low-income, elderly, have some form of disability, have, um, you know, maybe be a caretaker for somebody with high needs, um, and they can't do this stuff on their own. Um, but we're able to come in, like I said, get the wet stuff out, get rid of the mold, get rid of the mildew, rebuild the house, and get them back into their home and to a new normal so that they can continue on with their lives. Um, that's very rewarding to, to be beside them each step yeah. of the way as they go through that. So is this something that you thought that you would do as a, when you decide to become a reverend? <laughs> so, so yes and no. Disasters mm -hmm. have followed me my whole life. Um, <laughs> what is it with you? <laughs> I, I, 
I'm, I'm the disaster <laughs> pastor. Um, I'm from the Texas Panhandle originally. Some of my earliest memories are tornadoes. And, and, and I can remember as like a four-year-old child having survivor guilt and looking at the house across the street mm. that was damaged and my house wasn't and wondering why was my friend's house damaged and mine wasn't. Um, and my parents were always very active in the church and, and leading youth groups. And so they would take youth groups out to do mission trips, to do disaster um, recovery we moved to Lake Jackson when I was seven. A couple of years later, Hurricane Alicia hit five miles from our house and the same thing, watching the community come together. So when I got into the ministry and the Methodist Church has a long history of disaster relief, uh, that was just one of the areas of ministry that I kind of naturally gravitated to. Um, and then the Texas Conference decided in 2014 to build a disaster relief facility here in Conroe. And I was fortunate enough to be selected to, to lead that um, all the way through the construction phase all the way into full operation. And we actually um, officially opened in February of 2017. So we were just getting our feet under us when Harvey hit. Um, but we were able to deploy over 12,500 cleaning kits to, to people that needed them in the Houston area, uh, over 500 school kits to children who lost everything in the flood but then had to go back to school a week or two later. And we were able to provide them with, with school supplies. Uh, hygiene kits. We sent out over 6,000 hygiene kits to help people who were staying in shelter. So they had soap and washcloths and combs and things like that. Um, so it, it was, um, you know, when I started seminary, not something I immediately thought of, but um, it was just something that I naturally gravitated to. Well, I think it's awesome that the, the church does that because, um, you know, taking care of spir spiritual needs is obviously what we expect churches to do. And that's a big part of what they do. But really taking care of their physical needs, particularly after a disaster, is yeah. that's pretty phenomenal. And, and I tell all of my volunteers that I train, this is not a construction ministry. It's not a deconstruction ministry. <laughs> We're not going in on demo day on a home repair show on HGTV and mm -hmm. taking hammers and just, you know, beating sheetrock out of the wall. Um, it's a ministry of presence. And so we might go into a house thinking that we're going to be there tearing out sheetrock that day. And what we actually need to do is sit there and hold the homeowner's hand and listen to them tell their story. Mm. And coming from the faith perspective, that's a very easy switch for our people to make. Um, again, back to keep, keep saying that word, to holistic healing for people. We help mm. with their physical needs. We help with their spiritual needs. Okay, and any last thoughts that you want to share with your, your three fur here? <laughs> uh, no, I... I, I um, I, I, I guess I would say I would encourage people to get involved, whether it's at the school district, whether it's in their local church, whether it's master gardening with, with AgriLife. Um, the reason that I do the things that I do is to make the community a better place. Um, and a very wise man once told me that there are three pillars of strong communities. It's strong schools, a strong business community, and a strong faith community. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, if every member of the community would find a way to strengthen one of those three pillars, make Montgomery County a better place. Awesome. Thank you so much for being My here, pleasure. Scott. So you made the extension hour complete today with uh, so many things. We could probably talk a lot more about uh, any of those three topics that we talked about today. And uh, and we've visited before, and there's plenty of other things that are interesting about you. <laughs> so, but thank you so much for being here today. Um, like I said, next week we'll have um, Shelly Winkler and Ina McFarlane. I'm from Conroe ISD. And we'll talk about some of the things that we're doing at Sam Houston. Um, and then go up to the fair this week. There's yeah. lots of great things going on there. You can uh, meet lots of cool people there. Um, but tune in next week. And every Friday, 1 to 2, the extension hour. We'll see you then. Bye.
Thanks for checking out this show on Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. This show is owned and produced by Lone Star Community Radio and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. For more information about the show, to be a guest or to sponsor, just contact the studio at 936-647-3776 to leave a message or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com.